Shed and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex, where oil country shops for printers and office equipment. Service is their business. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It is the second hour of Oilers Now, 105 in Edmonton. Stoffer Inspector for Horse Racing Alberta. 7,000 horses, 7,000 avoid. Second hour of Oilers now brought to you by our title sponsor, Digitex. Hugh Porter and the gang. How about this? Hugh Sun's playing in the uh, uh, Alberta Junior Hockey League, which, okay. shows, which shows you that you can overcome your dad's genetics. And uh, I'm trying to tell him he should go to Arizona State if he's going to get an uh, I mean, if you're going to go to a hockey school, would you not go to Arizona State? They're starting a hockey program. Uh, How <laughs> fun would it be to play hockey? Okay, that's at, a two-part question. I'd love to go to Arizona State, but if I was going to a hockey school, I don't think I'd – I'm, think, I'm <laughs> joking. A bit I'm not this. sure Arizona State's a hockey school, <laughs> but I'd be the guy who'd find out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, Digitex is our title sponsor, Canada's largest Canada dealership, where their main goal is to save you time and money and provide true Alberta service. Check them out at Digitex.ca. Digitex now has a massive supplies division where you can find paper and supplies for all brands of office equipment. Stoffer Inspector for HRA. You can email us at oilersnow 630 com. presented by Holmes by Abby. One of these days, Brendan Ulrich will figure out how to open up that Oilers Now email because I have no access to it when I'm uh, down at Rexall Place. You can text us at 630-630. We're going to get to a ton of texts. You can tweet us at Oilers Now. And some guests on Oilers Now, not Mark Spector, but, you know, guests of the show, receive guest certificates to Japanese Village, the right choice for a celebration for the census, with three convenient locations to serve you, Northgate, Downtown, and Southside. Spec, we're going to hit on the uh, the Oilers and the Leafs, and we've got some great texts coming in. Let's hear People them. are very uh, passionate. Uh, very passionate comments here. This one comes in saying, Bob, are you willing to admit that Mac T screwed up? Man up and say it. I'll say this. I think that uh, uh, Craig made some mistakes along the way as a GM. And I know this about Craig. He'd be the first guy to look in the mirror and say, yes, I made mistakes. Well, the record shows he wasn't a very good GM. Let's, let's call a spade a spade, man. GMs are judged on the performance of their team. And uh, you just have to look at the standings to get a judgment on uh, Mac T's work as a GM. He took over a team that was 24th. Playing entirely against the Western Conference that year, mm-hmm. the Oilers went 28th in his two years as GM, back-to-back years. Yep, not good. You can text us at 630-630. Bob, why do you keep comparing who's a better situation between Toronto and Edmonton? It's irrelevant. I guess the point is, I think the Leafs are in the embryonic stages of their rebuild. The Oilers are further down. The Oilers are at the stage where they're deciding which one of their core pieces goes. The Leafs haven't even had their core pieces. Well, hang on here. Hang on here. Now, Morgan Riley is a good core piece. Hang on here. The Leafs and the Oilers started their rebuilds at the same time. The difference is, yeah, Brian Burke came in when Steve Tambellini came in, roughly, I think, within a year of each other. Okay. The Leafs absolutely botched the first one completely and wholly and are left with no assets because they traded, they made the Kessel trade, and they have very few assets going forward. It's a bad trade for Kessel, by the way. It's a brutal trade. And and at this point, they start the rebuild again with Lou Lamorello in a new group, and they've got maybe four guys who you're going to keep. You know, you got Riley, you got Gardner, you got, let's say, Kadri, and let's say you're going to keep JVR. Well, the Edmonton Oilers probably didn't have a finite ending to theirs and a restart, but they've hired new management and they're restarting it again and they've been wholly unsuccessful. But let's make this denotation, Bob. 
Well, the Toronto Maple Leafs have guys like Kadri. Riley's an excellent player. Kadri and Gardner and some okay guys. The Oilers kept their assets. They at least have now, when we're talking about the move they're going to make, Toronto's trading Polak and Spalding, and the Evan Oilers are trying to decide whether they're going to trade Taylor Hall or Ryan Nugent Hopkins or Jordan Eberle, right? And they've got Leon Dreisaitl, and they've got Connor McDavid, so and they've got uh, Nurse. So the difference is Edmonton at least, at least has some fruits of the first five years of that rebuild. Toronto does not. All right. Uh, multiple guys have texted in, and five or six uh, have uh, texted and asked this question. So, What w- question? Would you trade Darnell Nurse for Travis Hamannick? Uh That's an excellent question. It's a You know, I'll tell you this. Uh, Travis Hamannick is a way better defenseman right now and will be for the next three years. Uh, eventually, Darnell Nurse is probably going to be uh, more all-around, tougher, bigger, stronger, maybe better. Travis Hammond. Going to want I more mean, money. Darnell has got tremendous leadership skill. He's tough. Yeah. But Travis Hammond is tough. Is yeah. a highly competitive defenseman. Good player. And I, I don't know how big the offensive ceiling is on Darnell. To me, that's mm-hmm. like you know. Back to, somebody brought up the, the the kid that Darnell finished the year with in, in Sault Ste. Marie that's in Tampa's organization, D'Angelo. And there's some concerns about him off the ice, mm-hmm. you know. He, he, but there's a kid that had 89 points one year in the juniors. Okay. Like that was, I mean, you, you know this one. I mean, I I made a bet with a member of the Oilers scouting staff, Ryan Ellis versus Magnus Piarvi. You We've discussed yeah. this over beers lots of times. And yeah. I was mad at that draft. I said the Oilers, I was, that was the first draft I, I traveled with the club with. I'd been to prior drafts before, literally with the club. Yeah. When I say traveled with, okay? And I remember thinking, how do you pass on a defenseman that has been the top point-producing defenseman in the OHL in the the last 20 years? Why do you take Yakupov over Ryan Murray, right? That to me was different. To me it was different. They did. They didn't draft enough defensemen, and they didn't. They just drafted poorly and without any strategy, and they ended up with all the same guys. Dry, dry settle was a good pick. Sure, dry settle. I mean, yeah. Bennett's a good pick too for the Flames. If you want to play this game where you give me one good Oilers pick, and I get to give you five bad ones because that's what how the game. Hey, we're not go. talking the second round here. They've the Oilers a- have drafted abysmally awful second, for the last second, ten years. Second round, there's been a lot of terrible. The third round is just as bad, and the fourth, and the fifth, and the sixth, and the seventh. They've been brutal. They can only pick in the first round, Bob. That's why we're where we're at. Well, he's replaced the scouts. I mean, he's now made the sure, but the, it we're talking about Mark, it days has, gone by, and it hasn't just been on the scouts. It's also been their development model that has. Maybe to that's we'll never know. But, did scouts pick bad guys and they were poorly developed, or were they just, or did the developers have nothing to work with? I mean, I'll never know the answer to that. Well, Ryan has. Hamilton, whose fault is it? Ryan Hamilton, whose fault is it? You, you mean Cur- it? you mean Curtis Hamilton? Sorry, C- Curtis Hamilton. Excuse yeah. me. Yeah, Curtis Hamilton, whose fault is it? Right? They took a swing, and they so, struck out. Okay, you know, and that they took that swing about eighteen times on guys and struck out every time. They're about okay. over forty-two. We've, we've discussed this before. The second round of the two thousand ten draft. Uh, How many well, guys do they have in that round? Three. They well, they took uh, Pitlick, then they took Martin Marincin, who the analytics guys in Toronto love. And despite the fact he only plays 13 minutes a game, because mm-hmm. <laughs> the Leafs don't he can't him. play. He's <laughs> yeah. a very, very. And then, and then the Oilers took Hamilton, right. and then they took Martindale, first pick in the third round. Great. Okay, four three, swings, four three, misses, three forwards. They took all late-born players. 
I remember having this discussion with them. I'm like, I don't care when they're born. Well, I do. They can't because play. they had them go in the AHL. None of them came back as 20 year olds in Major Junior. Yeah. The, uh, Brian Kilray is like, we we would have taken Martindale back. He had 83 points well, as a 19 year old. That's poor development. The order should have made that choice, right? So either way, the, there's no excuse for the drafting record, and it's. The jury's back. They've fired Stu McGregor. DB says They're this. Changing people out. DB says, uh, uh, oh, here's the, Mark, this is why I love that, doing shows like this. Give me a break. Okay, first of all, DB says this. Has Darnell Mer- Nurse proven that he's going to be better than Dana Merzen at the NHL level? Has he? Hamannick has. That one comes to us from DB. That's from DB. Here's the contrast. Give me a break, Bob. Trade the best defenseman to come around here since Pronger. Are you friggin' nuts? Nurse is going to be a beast. So you have two guys of completely. You got one guy, DB, is comparing Dana Merzen. Darnell Nurse. Dana Merzen was one of the biggest, softest wusses <laughs> in the entire net. Remember the time Shane Corson just speed bagged him in Vancouver? It was beautiful. <laughs> Shane Corson speed bagged a lot of guys. But. It's a legitimate question, though. Like, at How some good point, is... you have to trade a younger player here for an older veteran, one that can play right now. You know, so do you trade a 23, 25 year old, or do you trade a 20 year old for a defenseman that's real good this second? It's an excellent topic. This desk text comes in, Bob. I feel for you having to defend this failure of a franchise is a tough job, not a job I would ever want. Oh, come on, seriously. You know what? It's got frustrating days. It's frustrating because Mark would tell you I'm not a shrinking violet in conversations with certain people. I would speak my mind on these issues, mm-hmm. but a tough job is not being a sports writer or being a broadcaster, even on a Team that's oh. struggling. A, a tough job is the guy that's got to go work up in the oil patch. It's not sure he's going to be employed. Yeah. And he's freezing his. Oh, we got a great, greatest we, job we, ever. We, we it's got, frustrating. It's frustrating being an Oilers fan. It's frustrating yes. covering the team. There's no doubt. This We're text, this text comes to us from Calgary. Send nurse to the flames. We'll work with them. I, yeah, I think you're okay on defense down in Calgary. Yeah, they got a lot of guys. They got an excellent defense. Uh, all right, uh, Bob, can you please explain the buyout system, and could Ferentz and Pouliot be candidates? Uh, I would think that the Oilers are thin on the blue line. Fain might be retained as a bottom-pairing guy with Davidson going forward. They don't need to buy out Pouliot. There's no need to do that. He's a, he is a, three years left, too. It would be a he's a pro, he, and In fairness, he is a productive player. Yeah. I'm not he's quite not their big problem. They got a lot of I'm not quite him. convinced he's as good as all the analytics people think. I actually don't think he knows how good he is. I think yeah. Pouliot could be better. A lot of guys love him. I'm, a, I'm okay with him. I'm, okay. right. I'm like I'm like you. I'm okay you with know, him. I think he's. I'd like him at about a million and a half cheaper, a lot wow. more. <laughs> okay. Uh, regarding the buyout with Ference, uh, Andrew Ference's hip surgery has been delayed, um, and that could potentially impact a buyout option. Andrew's already talked to Joe McDonald last week from ESPN about he's, moving. He's, he's basically he's basically ready to retire. He's ready to retire here. So I don't think he'd be at all insulted to have somebody discuss that he he'll, he'll he could be bought out. But if he is not deemed healthy by June 30th, which is when the buyout period would occur, uh, he would potentially have to be on LTIR for the year. Potentially, that is true. Yes. And Peter Shirelli has history in that before because he had Mark Savard in Boston. Yeah, that, and that was different, right? Because that was a player who was hoping to prolong his career. The, the only difference with this one, Bob, is if Andrew's ready to call her quits and everyone's ready to buy him out, um, it's probably better for Andrew Ferentz to get his money spread over a couple of years and get it all at once. 
frankly. You can text us at 630, 630. Uh, Bob, uh, forget about the nurse Hamannick trade. That's crazy. I'd even say Everly for Hamannick is overpaying. Well, the Islanders are in a bit of a tough position here. Everly for Hamannick is not overpaying. $6 million forward versus a $3.7 million defenseman. There's, there's, there's value in that contract. Uh, <laughs> come on, Maxwell. Maxwell, are you on planet Zoltar? How about Nugent Hopkins and Nurse for the two Sedins? See, I think, Maxwell, are you like a guy that maybe is working as a producer at another station right now trying to get people to... Why would you even read that text? <laughs> Got to bring something better than that. <laughs> the Oilers GM says, Bob, I love the show, but stop sucking up to the team. I just opened the show by saying the team has to embrace the opportunity to take a cathartic look at itself for how certain players got into the position that they did mm-hmm. and to learn from it and to be better. Jay in Grand Prairie says, Bob, you talked in the past about Berglund. Would he be an option moving forward? He's a third liner, but he's $3.7 million. Yeah. You can text us at 630, 630. Bob, Bob, do you think the Flames are ahead of the Oilers? And what's the Corsi on Nurse? Just asking from Topher Allen. Topher hates the... He was the president of Get Tyler Dello off of your show uh, during the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, are the Flames ahead? Flames are the Flames. Are, it's going to be interesting in Calgary. They got to get Goodrow signed long term and Monahan. Uh, that's going to squeeze them a bit on the back end. They've got. I mean, their development of TJ Brody is to be admired. He's turned into a hell of a player. And they and that organization has to have. They got to get credit for it. They did a great job there, mm-hmm. making that play. And you know, Giordano. Dougie Hamilton. you got to like the makeup of what Calgary has in defense. Yep. I think the Oilers have the better forwards, greater depth of, of higher-end forwards. Yep. But I think there's no question the Flames are ahead of the Oilers on defense. That's fair. 119 in Edmonton. You can text us at 630-630. Tweet us at Oilers now. Oh, Brendan, were you texting me to say we should take some calls? Um, you want me to open up the uh, line here or two? 780-496-0063. Is Dave still holding or did he split? What's going He's there. Sorry, Dave. I didn't realize you were waiting for 15 minutes. Yeah, that's all right. What do you got for us? Hello? Yes, Dave, you're on. You waited a long time. Yeah. I was just wondering, at this time of the year, with the Oilers being in last place, um, does the general manager actually tell the coach you got to play, let's say, Yakupov, just to highlight his uh, abilities? Um, otherwise, you know, he'd be sitting out. So does the Management get involved that way? Go ahead, Spec. Yeah, they do. Uh, it's not as simple as a daily phone call saying, here's who you have to play. But it is as simple as a Remember, every move Shirelli makes, he talks to McCollin probably twice a day, every day. Right. So let's call a spade a spade. They've been trying to move Schultz for a long time. The coach is well aware of that. The coach is smart enough to know that if he puts Schultz in the press box every night, it's not going to help his GM move the player. Right, so right, right. does she really have to say to Todd McClellan, play this guy every night? No, he doesn't. Does Todd McClellan play him every night because he's on the block? Yes, he does. And these guys are tight. I mean, they have a real connection. Think they of the, think of the they situation. They both had success with other organizations. They both come in. They're tied to each other. Yep. Um, you know. But because of that, but because of that success, these guys have never been in this situation where they have to play 
players that well, Shirelli probably ta- shouldn't be playing. Dave, Shirelli, sure. well, wait a sec here. Shirelli didn't take out a, uh, when he went into Boston, he didn't take over a team that no, was a bad team. Missed the playoffs the first year. Bad team in Boston. You okay. know what? I'm going to say this, Dave. What, hang in on this question until after the trade deadline. And then, right. I don't know who's going to go and who's going to stay, but start watching the lineup after the trade deadline. And I think you're going to get a feel for maybe who's been playing to get showcased, as it were. And, well, we and might have seen that on it. Saturday night. The Colorado Avalanche where it's scouting Nikita Nikita. That's the only team he ever plays against. Well, <laughs> two of his last three games were against Colorado. And then they send him down right after the Avs leave time. So maybe we're already seeing a little bit of that. Thanks for the call, Dave. 122 right. at Edmonton. This is Oilers Now. <laughs> this is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. DB says that Calgary is building the team that the Oilers wish they had because they're building it with DNA. Uh, they won't be as skilled at forward, but they'll be tougher. Travis says, Bob, is there a possibility to merge the Oilers and the Flames? A good team there. <laughs> Keep the Oilers forward in the Flames, defense, Talbot, and goal. You can text us at 630, 630. That's uh, funny. All right, uh, here's what we're going to do. I-, I guess we got a ton of calls. Stoffer, Inspector, Oilers now. And uh, it's for horse racing, Alberta. So we're going to take calls. And sorry, Brendan, and I know I'm asking you to do nine different things here. Where did you want me to go first? Ron on line one. Ron, you're in Oilers now. How are you doing? Hey, Bob. Uh, first time caller. Good. Love the show. Uh, so just uh, wanted to get your guys' opinion. Um, you know, everybody talks about uh, what the Oilers need. You know, they talk about the defense, they talk about the goalie. Um, but I think what's lacking, and it's been since the 80s really, is, is leadership. Um, I see it that we don't have the leaders on the team to show these young guys, you know, what it takes to, you know, to, to get in the playoffs and to be a contender. And I'm just curious to see what uh, your thoughts on that are. Go ahead, Spec. I think that you're exactly right when it comes to leadership. And, you know, it's not about, you can't just start it, I'm going to lead you and show you how to get in the playoffs. That's not how it works. You got to, a good leader shows his teammates how to play the game. And one of the issues in Edmonton, and I'm not telling any tales out of school here, is, you know, we've all watched Tater Hall, who is, you know, in my opinion, well, after McDavid, likely their best player, I think, a forward. And, but he's got issues with his game, and he's always had issues with his game. You know, he does the big loops, and, and he gets a little derelict defensively at times. He was and better in the first 40 games, the was, last 20. But it's, he's, it's, he's come back. it's come back. But my point is this. A leader goes out on the ice and shows his teammates the style of play and how to play so that if we all play this way, we're going to get in the playoffs. And the one thing about the Oilers' leaders, and they're all young, is they still have holes in their games. They can't necessarily lead you, right? Am I fair in that, Bob? Do you think that they had these conversations in Detroit about Steve Eisenman like in 1989 and 90 when they didn't get it done and they kept on in a smaller league? No, but he was a a young player surrounded by older players. I know they made him captain right away and it was too soon. He was always seen as a guy that was, you know, offensively gifted but didn't, uh, you know, 
didn't grab that team and didn't play a strong enough two-way game. At one point, was rumored to be moved back to Ottawa where yeah, he was from that. in the I early 90s. That, yeah. And it wasn't until like 93, 94 well, where he really became that complete all-around player. Ten years in the league at 27, 28 years well, of age. Well, we're not waiting ten years. Yeah. Let's face it, not anymore. Ron's right, though, that the leadership is an issue. And maybe they figure it out. Yeah. Maybe all these guys become that player, and they can lead. But right now, this second, Tater Hall's not leading this team with the way he plays the game, and that's not a criticism. It's a fact. Do you think Todd McClellan just needs to look at Connor McDavid, Taylor Hall, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and, and say, just go grab this thing? Because maybe at times it was, well, you can take it, but you can't because Ference is here. So now we're going to, like, you know where I'm going with that here? A bit where it's like it's t- the time has come. You guys need to run with this. Well, You've got to do it the right way, though. What do you think? Like, have they done that this year? He's, he'd love them to do that. Uh, I think I think a, a little bit of that's occurred. I think Todd's been very careful on the whole leadership front after what happened in San Jose. Ron, what do you got? Well, I, I think, you know, Ferentz has come in, and uh, he was to be that leader, but obviously he's not playing. So he wasn't a good enough part- player. Yeah, he's not a good enough he player. He wasn't a good enough player. Like, like you know, is by his second year, he was cha- – like, first of all, he was a 4-5 defenseman in Boston. And he had to play top three minutes in Edmonton, which turned out to be very challenging for a 35. He wasn't a good enough player. You said it. Not a good enough player. He wasn't a good enough player. It's tough to lead when you're not good enough. All the great great teams, they have excellent players who lead them. And, you know, in in Detroit, people followed Eiserman and Lidstrom and those guys. In, In San Jose... Joe Thornton went out on the ice and showed you how to play both ends of the ring. Yeah. He didn't tell you in the dressing room. Right? And that's another and that's reason why I want top-end guys to be leading the team. Uh, 128 in Edmonton, you're listening to Oilers Now. Have you been to the Coaldale Arena? ATB Financial has, and that's where they surprised young head coach Colby Stone, an ATB home ice hero with $5,000. Watch Colby's story and nominate your own home ice hero at atb.com backslash home ice. Spec's going to stay an extra half hour. Well, not an extra 15, 18 minutes. Sure. 780-496-0063. We'll keep going calls, texts, tweets, and emails. We'll move Bruce Garriock to later in the week. This is Orders Now.